In this episode of Octal FM, we attempt to dissect the shift in the video game industry from releasing installments in game series to the concept and execution of games as a service. And where do we see that this shift is going? And how will advancements in technology affect the games we play and the ways that we play them? Join us in what is possibly the most futurist episode of Octal FM yet, and where I'm rather smugly going to admit it sounds a little bit like we're fortune tellers when you realise that this was recorded before the Google Stadia announcement. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we're definitely putting on our intelligent hats and we're having a a sort of discussion about something that I don't I don't actually quite remember how it came up in conversation about sort of like something that we wanted to talk about. So the idea came to me actually whilst I was at work one day uh, as we'd had a discussion like a night or two beforehand talking about like what we need to discuss on future episodes, like you know, future episode concepts. And I was thinking about it. And whilst I was at work, because I work in retail, I saw a copy of FIFA 19. Mm. And that just sort of like made me think, but why? Why is <laughs> FIFA 19 still a thing? You know, like, I love it. and that sort of just led me down the rabbit hole of thinking, well, that could be an interesting topic to talk about. Like, why is he right. 19 a thing? And that sort of led to what we're discussing today, which is sort of the idea of yearly installments of video games but then the consistent and constant move towards games as a continuously running service as opposed to each yearly sequels or iterations i guess this episode content kind of shows our age a little bit Mm. in that you know we sort of think about games as you know things that are released and that have sequels and new game engines and all of that kind of stuff and actually it was kind of like a we do like to feel like we're up to date and we do like to feel like we're not prescriptivist and we're not like oh games were better in the old days Mm -hmm. and so it's really kind of just a look at well what is going on in the way that games are released and where is this going and Mm. sort of what you know what where do we think we might end up with the way that games are being developed, released, marketed? Yeah, I mean, really thinking about a lot of it is is kind of about brands as well, right? And about franchises and how that is really changing in video games compared to where we were, you know, maybe 15 years ago, let's say. Well, that's interesting because brands as an identity within video games now are so much more important than they used to be. Mm, Like if you maybe mm. go back to the original sort of like PlayStation 1, Nintendo 64 era, if you ask, maybe ignoring some of the the most long-standing ones, say like Mario or Pac-Man, for example, what one of like the most important video game brands is, you maybe think of something like Tomb Raider. I was just going to say Tomb Raider. (laughs) Yeah, but that's sort of the only one that would really stick out to maybe a non-gamer. Like Mm, mm. I know, like I say, trying to ignore maybe things like your Mario's, but now, today, if you ask anybody, like literally just Joe Bloggs on the street and to name a, a video game brand, you know, they could name all sorts. They could name you Call of Duties. They could name 
Assassin's Creed. Mm. They can name FIFA. Mm. You know, they could name Destiny. They can name Grand Theft Auto. Mm. They can name Minecraft. All of these are important brands to the companies and, mm. and specifically the publishers who make these games. Yeah, and I think it's sort of video games have just become a lot more mainstream, right? Mm. And I think that this is a kind of a byproduct and the shift in the way that games are released is a byproduct of the way that the brands have been elevated in just like general zeitgeist and society, mm. right? And so generally what we're talking about here is the shift from installments of games to games as a service or like games as a platform. Mm. That's the general kind of thought and feeling about this kind of, ch- you know, our, or our thought and our feeling about this general kind of ch- shift in the industry. Mm. The reason that we thought about it, like I say, was my thoughts on FIFA 19. Right. And that led me to thinking, and we'll discuss this in more detail later on in the show, of, well, why release FIFA 19 when you mm. had a perfectly good game in FIFA 18, <laughs> which yeah. you could just simply update via yeah. internet connection, which like 95 plus percent of all consoles connected realistically are going to be internet connected now yeah to just be updated to be fifa 19 right because yeah as much as they do make certain changes and they do add new content like i know for example like some of the more recent versions of these uh kind of sports games specifically have sort of more in-depth single player experiences which is mm-hmm. which is great but most people don't buy it for that most people buy it for say the updates to statistics and player names and things like that all of which could very, very easily be added upon remotely, you know, via just download. Yeah, exactly. And this kind of this kind of got us thinking about how are games released nowadays? First of all, why do we still have standalone iterations? But also what else are we seeing? And is there really a place for standalone iterations being released nowadays? And we kind of started to think about like, the two main things that spring to mind that are recent examples are like Fortnite and Destiny, right? Like there are two, those are two games that really were platforms as much as they are games in the Mm. sense that Fortnite has just like continuous free delivery of, of, of content or not necessarily free, sometimes paid, right? We've also got this move to like battle passes in inverted Mm. commas. And we've talked a little bit before about like loot boxes and stuff like that. And this is very much intertwined with that kind of like style of game. So we've got sort of that style where like the game is just really continuous. And, you know, I don't imagine that a Fortnite 2 is super high up on the cards right now. And then you have something like Destiny. And Destiny particularly for me is a is an interesting oddity because they released so many sort of scheduled, paid, you know, new bits of content for Destiny. But they also released a sequel. And I'm sort of like, are they going to release another sequel? Like, do mm. we need a Destiny 3 in, in sort of video games? Because Something that, uh, this is something actually that Tom Brearley, who's been on the show before talking about Twitterfall, he's a huge fan of Destiny. And I've talked to him about when, when Destiny 2 came out, I was like, oh, what what do you think? Like, what what's Destiny 2 like? And he said, like, there was quite a lot of kind of backlash in the community about Destiny 2 because it was such a backward step in terms of the amount of content that was available because you've had all of this time of all of this content being added to destiny one. And then 
the sequel comes out and it's like a small game again. Mm. And the thing about Destiny 1 and 2 is that, you know, going back in history, imagine we're talking about Quake. You know, we're talking about Quake 2 and Quake 3. Or we're talking about Unreal Tournament 2004 and Unreal Tournament 3. Or we're talking about Age of Empires 1 and Age of Empires 2. You know, those are sequels where the game is completely different. It's a whole new game engine. There's new modes. There's new stories. Like, everything is... It's like a new game. Yeah. It's just the brand is the same. And, you know, some of the weapons are the same. But with Destiny 1 and 2, it was really kind of the same game, right? Like, it's not really a sequel. Like, I haven't actually played Destiny 2, but just from what I know about it and from looking at it, it's like, it's not like a dramatically different game. No. There's not a huge even time difference really between Destiny 1 and 2 in terms of like how long it was between one game and the other. Mm. So, of course nothing's going to have changed that much. And, you know, we've really reached this point with video games where the advancement is not as compressed as it used to be. Mm. You know, if you think about Age of Empires 1 versus Age of Empires 2 versus AoE 3, like there's a huge leap each time in a relatively short space of time. But we're not really in that world anymore. Like these games, you know, you can play a game that is five years old and it still stands up, right? We've talked about that before as well. Um, when we've talked about things like um, crisis and stuff like that. But yeah, if you go back, say, 20 years ago, like 15, 20 years ago, a game that came out, say, even on the same system, like on mm. PlayStation mm. 1 or on the Nintendo 64, that was released maybe at the beginning of the life of the end cycle, they are drastically different from one another. Right. Uh, you know, because the advancements that were being made in both the ability to make these games, but the technology available in the first place was very very stark and different whereas like you say now for the most part it's it's not stagnant but it's slowed considerably in that advance yeah so now there's even less of a reason to need to release because like you could go back say 10 or 15 years ago and sell like you use the example of, of quake for example or unreal tournament even if they were pretty similar games, they were so distinct from one another in terms of what they looked like and how they felt to, to run and the requirements to run them, for example, either on a console or a PC or whatever, were so different that they, they were standalone games. Yeah. But that's so much not the truth anymore. That really doesn't hold up anymore. No, exactly. Like, you look at Destiny 1 and 2 and it's like, hmm. are they, like, they, I don't know, like... And then you just look at the backlash as well and the fact that then actually it kind of does this the sequel a disservice to be mm. a standalone game. I sort of feel like in that example specifically, it's sort of holding on to the ability to market a game as a sequel. You know, and I think that money is fundamentally a huge aspect to this, mm. right? Like, yeah, okay, fine. Fortnite makes a, a shed loads of money. There's still this huge kind of like tie to well okay we can release a sequel that means we can promote it as a new game Mm. we can charge you know full price for it versus expansions you know and stuff like that and so i think that is a massive influence in hanging on to that old style of like Mm. we need to release a whole new game even if it isn't a whole new game (laughs) yeah we you get the benefit of selling the game again not only just to get new customers but also to say get more pre-orders yeah yeah, to get the exclusive editions of games so people pay more money for them and you're potentially capturing more people as well because chances are you're going to get the same people you had last time like if you're Mm. If people were already playing your game anyway, chances are they're going to play this game too. But you also now have the opportunity to capture another larger audience. Yeah. So for the most part, I guess it's sort of a win-win really. 
but it does feel like you say money is very much dictating why mm. this is the case because originally it was it was mostly out of necessity let's be honest like we go back right. to sort of the idea of a yearly iteration with say something like madden for example or f- the older fifa games they would release say then you know the same game a year later with the new players names and stats because there was no other way of delivering that content like the way that that game got updated was to sell a new game because high-speed internet access just didn't exist and even if it did like most consoles didn't have access to the internet either right you know i think like the Dreamcast was kind of famously the first one that sort of like advertised that as a primary feature. Uh, I know certain consoles earlier than that did have some internet connectivity, but relatively limited and it was quite niche. So it wasn't really, I'd say, until sort of like the PS3, Xbox 360 era properly when these sorts of things started to become capable in the first place, you know, being able to download new content to a system and, and change a game. Uh, yeah. And that's a long period of time in gaming's history where the only way to update your game, either with new content or just with altering the content to better fit what people expect from it, is to just sell a brand new game. Right, exactly. And even if you think about that early days of PS3 and Xbox 360, you know, we were still arguing over whether £2 for horse armor was acceptable. You know, <laughs> yeah. so we still at that point, the industry still had a long way to go in terms of, you know, delivering new content to people and charging for it and stuff like that. You know, you're right. It's it's such a classic Octal FM thing to be like, oh, high speed internet is the thing. But once mm-hmm. again, that is absolutely a, a, a factor in the in this kind of move. And we sort of also uh, sort of been thinking like there are still games that need you know iterations and releases, right? You know, we talk we said like RPGs. Like you're never going to have a. It would it feels like it would be a failure of marketing to say that. The Last of Us 2 is just DLC for The Last of Us. Yeah. Right? Like, like that's never going to work. It's never going to fly. Even if you fancy it up so that it's not... You don't use the terms a DLC, which makes it sound like small additional content. Even if it's like, you know, The Last of Us is now a platform for the mm. delivery of all Last of Us content. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still essentially DLC, even yeah. if it's, you know, a 56 gigabyte download and it just feels weird right it just feels weird to be like the last of us is like a platform for last of us games like that's just kind of weird but there's a lot of games a lot of very popular games that have a huge market share that don't need that and you know actually just thinking about it like think about they're slightly different but thinking about like esports games like league of legends and something Mm. like that you know that's a great example of a game as a platform Mm. you know there's never going to be a league of legends 2 you know there's just no reason, right? Like you don't need it and you can just make that game perpetually change. And that is something that, again, going back in time is is just unheard of. You're not going to support a game for such a long period of time. No. And that sort of also talks to the way that consoles are kind of lasting longer as well. And console yeah. iterations are blurring, right? You know, we've now got the PS4 and the PS4 Pro, you know, yeah. and things like that, where like consoles are kind of all one platform, a little bit nowadays yeah and they just kind of they're starting to blur right and i'm starting to wonder if we're ever gonna are we gonna see like a brand new xbox and a brand new playstation that is like dramatically like a line in the sand you know and and one day are we gonna see that that's not a thing anymore Mm. um and you're just gonna i don't know like are they gonna blur in the same way that that pcs blur you know uh, pcs have shown i can still play 
you know, kind of, I can still play the original <laughs> Age of Empires 2, right, from, you know, the original original, and it'll kind yeah. of mostly work. But that's so many console iterations ago. You know, I can't play a SNES game on my on my Switch. Yeah, of <laughs> like, course. Not the original cartridge, but I can play the original game. So it's not like it's impossible. But Nintendo will very happily sell it to you again. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I sort of wonder if that sort of move to kind of blending game platforms and consoles into a service may also trickle in to the games themselves, right? And I guess another good reason for that, other than the fact that the technology is there to allow to do it and the technology isn't progressing quickly enough to warrant needing to do that anymore, is also that games to develop are becoming increasingly more expensive and Mm, time-consuming process. mm. So when a publisher pays to have a game like Destiny to be created, for example, we use Destiny as the example because it it kind of fits really nicely. You know, it's costing them tens of millions of dollars. I don't know what the budget for Destiny was, but I imagine it was huge. Mm. They don't want for that to kind of be undone in the space of, say, two years where they can sell... I mean, I know they did sell Destiny 2, but they would have very much have used the same investment on Destiny 1 to create Destiny 2, just seeing it's like a a continuation. It's not a brand new game with a brand new set of investment. Mm. They want to protect that investment and make it last longer, and they want to make sure that players stick with their game for longer periods of time, which is why more games are being supported for longer periods of time with either free content or kind of premium content or just DLC, like, you know, uh, cosmetic items, that sort of thing. Anything to drive player engagement for longer periods of time. Because the longer you keep a player involved in your game, the more likelihood they have of both spending more money on your game again, if you do have the option to do so, which maybe chances are you do, but also for bringing more players. And you notice a lot of these sort of games that have either games as a service or iterations of games, you know, so things like your sports games, like your FIFAs, but also things like your Fortnite, your Destinies, they're very much like social games, like you play Mm. with other people. And it's the old saying, if you can convince one player to play the game, you've essentially convinced four people to play your game. You know, look at Destiny is the example. Or look at the most recent release of things like Anthem. You know, if I was super involved in wanting to play Anthem, then I'm going to try and convince three of my other friends to to buy the game and play with me. So I'm doing the work of the advertising for the publisher for free. And they're just, you know, going to want to carry that on for a longer period of time. That's that's why they want to support the game for longer. Yeah, absolutely. You're right that, like, games are getting more expensive to make, particularly kind of AAA games, because they're getting more complicated and gamers are demanding more, quite Mm. frankly. Like, when you actually think about it in terms of, like, newer games versus older games, you know, we expect a lot more from games that we play in a good way. But that sort of places increasing demands on games to deliver and perform. And this is not to say that this is a bad transition at all. Like, you you said a very good thing at the beginning where, like, it makes us sound maybe like we're a little bit stuck in the past. Mm. uh, Of Like, oh, well, I remember when it was better. But it's not necessarily better. No, no, definitely not. For example, right? Imagine you had the infrastructure and technology we have now when Street Fighter 2 was released. Would you have 15 versions of Street Fighter 2 released? (laughs) No. You'd have had maybe the core version and maybe like a year later you had like the Game of the Year edition equivalent. Like it had more of the DLC involved in one package. You know, they wouldn't keep releasing new versions of exactly the same game just because there was some slight variations in the, you know, the engine to tweak bugs, for example, which is what they had to do. So it's good that this is happening, Mm. but it Mm. also 
you lose something as well, I think, too. If games are constantly being either re-released as the same thing just with slight updates, or it's the same game over and over and over again, being charged for over and over, you lose a little bit of originality as well. Like, I find Hmm. that sometimes these games become a little bland overall. I think it also puts a lot more pressure on particularly AAA game studios Mm. to really deliver, right? No longer can you deliver a game. You've got to deliver a platform, right? That is like successful for multiple years and has content. And, you know, it does things like, what was the uh, Wargroove, right? We were talking, Mm. not on recording, but off recording, you talked about how, I know it's an indie game, but as an example, Wargroove is sort of like, you know, it's, there's, it feels like maybe content is being held back, right? Because Mm. they sort of are thinking maybe we can release some of this as DLC or we Mm. can release it as an expansion. Now, Wargroove, whatever, it's an indie title, so I will give them that. But thinking about it also in terms of like AAA titles, think about Destiny 2 being cut back and Mm. very sort of like small compared to the, compared to Destiny at the end of Destiny. It's final version, yeah. Yeah, like it's the same thing. Like there's a lot more pressure on you know game studios to deliver something that is going to support a company over a longer period of time yeah look at the struggles that activision and blizzard are going through right yeah. now you know we've been talking a lot off records because we've talked a bit about blizzard and about heroes being cancelled and stuff like or half cancelled and stuff like that and you know it feels like once a week there is news about Activision and Blizzard, you know, making cuts or making people redundant, the CFO Mm. leaving, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And I can't help but think that that is down to this sort of increased pressure of this Mm. world of games where, you know, they've got to last longer and you've got to you've got to sell more and you've got to keep people. And they're kind of optimizing for what is the maximum value per person that we can get out of a game. And that is such a classic like a data-driven sales thing is like how can we optimize our game so that we get the most like dollars per person Mm. right which is really interesting because the only reason they're having to do that now by comparison to say say 15 20 years ago is because of how bloated things have become Mm. right like we said you, you mentioned earlier how expensive these games are to make so when they do make them they need to support the company for longer periods of time like you say how do we maintain that money coming in because of how unbelievably bloated everything else. Like, games are costing, like we said, tens of millions of dollars to, to create now, you know, for a, for a standard AAA game, mm, you know. Mm. Like, famously, games like Grand Theft Auto V cost the equivalence of, like, what was it, like, Titanic or something. So, I've got it in so, front of me. It's $137 million was GTA V. <laughs> that's incredible. And now, obviously, it made its money back because they wouldn't have made it otherwise. But it just shows, like, how much pressure publishers are on to make their money back and thus how much pressure they put on the game studios and the developers to make a game that will last the test of time to make them that money back in the first place. And maybe the environment which these games are being released into just hasn't caught up with that yet like that new way of doing things that, right. that more mainstream way of doing things in fact like it's still a little bit bogged down in the old way of doing things like the i say the console iteration mm. and the sequel the inevitable sequel that has to be bigger and better you know right. that is almost 
a carryover from technical limitations as much as it is a cultural shift or, or mm. an economic shift. You know, I think this isn't sustainable and this is maybe why more games are going towards the games as a service model, like your Fortnites, like your League of Legends, you know. Mm. And this is where we sort of start to get to the far out there Octal FM, not necessarily predictions, but sort of like food for thought, Mm. if you like. Our hot take. Yeah. And something that always really fascinates me is... Netflix and Spotify, Mm. right? Particularly Spotify is perhaps the best example. It's such an interesting shift in paying for something and how you consume it. And that sort of blend of technology and money. And I don't know, it's just, it's so different. And I feel like video games aren't there yet. Like we keep seeing these occasional sort of streaming services, right? Mm. Like on live and stuff like that. Mm, Right. Yeah. And we're not quite there yet, but we're now really close, like mm. really, really close. And I sort of wonder if the next Xbox is not a console with loads of hardware in it, but it's just a really good streaming device. Yeah. And Microsoft, you know, look at the sort of like, you know, Xbox, whatever it's called, the, the pass where you can you get some games for free. And the PlayStation has the same thing, right? Where, you, where if you're paying for PS Plus, you get some random games for free and you also get to they do have that right like they have like a playstation emulation thing that's like a streaming service yeah yeah but both the main consoles have that service now where you get access to like 100 plus 50 games or whatever that you can play kind of at will exactly and even proprietary services are are allowing that now as well like for example ea's origin service has the exact same thing now too which is what they're promoting for anthem exactly and we're seeing support from manufacturers as well so like nvidia you've got the shield and you've got all of these kind of like streaming technologies really coming in and it's all coming off the back of again fast internet access and stuff like that and there was like a piece of news the other day that really kind of surprised me and i've now joined it up to this discussion And that's that Samsung are no longer making Blu-ray players um, or like they're not making any new Blu-ray players. Hmm. And this really got me thinking because I'm a bit of a like nerd about quality. And so that makes me a little bit angry and confused because I'm like, I want to always buy Blu-rays because they look good and they're not compressed and they're not coming to me over the internet. But actually, if anything, I'm a little bit old. Like that's making me sound old. No, yeah, absolutely. You can stream 4K films and they look fine and there's really no issue. And so if you can stream 4K films, you can definitely stream 1080p games or even 4K games. And actually talking about how like Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 aren't that dissimilar in terms of graphical prowess and stuff like that, you know, that means that the hardware is going to be cheaper to stream from. Look at Mm. the Switch, right? Like the Switch is massively successful and it's literally half the power of the current consoles it is an an nvidia shield like inside it basically is an nvidia shield it's a tablet like it's a tablet console it's it's Mm. it's the power of an ipad that means you can probably run like 50 of those in a rack you know in a in a data center somewhere in like a tiny little space no worries so my kind of like hot take is okay fine if we're moving away from blu-ray players then we're moving away from consoles yeah. And in the same way that we've moved away from CDs. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, we've moved towards Netflix and we moved towards Spotify and we're moving towards Xbox on, you know, and it's like yeah. it's a streaming service and that move I reckon will shift 
dramatically shift away this style of iterative releases because mm. if you've got a streaming service and you've not got new consoles and that sort of style of buying games then you will move away from that sort of iterative game as well because now if games are being streamed and you're streaming destiny from bungie or whoever they don't need to worry about it being destiny 1 or destiny 2 they don't need to worry about which game engine it is they can just upgrade their whole infrastructure on mass yeah. to a new engine they can mix and match you know, it doesn't matter anymore. And they can guarantee that everyone has exactly the same service which is being provided, which means A, it's less money to maintain, say, multiple games on multiple consoles or make that happen to begin with. But it also ensures that everyone's playing together. Yeah. And that's why crossplay, for example, on things like Fortnite is so important because right. the more people that can play together on multiple consoles at the moment means more people playing in general, which means more money spent. Of course, of course. You know, you don't have that limitation of your friends play on a different console and all of that kind of stuff. You know, so I think that streaming games is going to make a big difference to the way that games are released and the way that brands kind of work and you know, we'll still see iterations, you know, we'll see RPGs. RPGs are always yeah. going to have like new versions of RPGs. You're never going to have like a platform for them. But we are really seeing this huge rise in long-term game brands like Fortnite, like Destiny, like Call of Duty. You know, yes. Call of Duty is only iterative because that's what works right now. Yeah, because it sells and makes a lot of money. You could have a permanent Call of Duty that's like exactly. a subscription. Exactly. The second you get Call of Duty Forever or whatever they call it, because they can't call it Infinite because they've already done that. They've um, done that, yeah. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's the only console you'll have. And then just once a year, they'll basically release a brand new story campaign mm. and a load of new maps. And it will basically be a new game, but you won't pay for that new game. You'll have just been paying for the service to right. Xbox On or PlayStation Now or and whatever also, you're going to call it. The other thing is that we're seeing, right, is that moving away from video games for a second... We're going to see a big change in TV streaming because mm. we're in a golden age right now where you can pay basically a tiny amount of money for Netflix and you get so much stuff on yeah. Netflix. Right. And that is that is going away. Like, I'm sorry if you're if you're really happy about paying, you know, whatever it is, 12 quid for Netflix and getting all of this stuff. But that is not going to be a thing. You're going to be paying that 12 quid to to Netflix, you're going to be paying it to Disney, you're going to be paying it to yeah. the BBC, you're going to be paying it to all of these companies, because they're all going to build their own streaming services. And I reckon video games could do that as well. You'll mm. Just like MMOs, right? MMOs are kind of a precursor to this. You'll be paying a subscription for Call of Duty, you know, and Call of Duty will become an it, not an MMO. It won't be massively multiplayer. It'll just be a subscription <laughs> and you'll be paying a subscription yeah. to play it. A subscription to the service of to play Call of Duty. Yeah. You know? And Destiny and Fortnite. People already do it with Fortnite. That's what battle passes are, right? Like, yeah, it's a subscription sickly. to play Fortnite. It's just disguised as loot boxes, yeah. but it's the same thing. As soon as people get used to paying Disney and Netflix and DC and everyone else, like you yeah. will, and Fox or whatever, you will see the same thing happen in video games, I reckon. That's my yeah, hot no, take. <laughs> I, I think that is the way the games industry is going. It, it, you know, it's following the rest of the media industry because why wouldn't it? But I just think that the games industry is really poised and in a good position to ha make that happen because they've already got these dedicated kind of 
hardware developers that will make that happen immediately mm-hmm. as well as all these other developers to make content for it straight away rather than having to fight well i want to release this to tv or film or direct to netflix or whatever so they're poised in a really good position to, to make that transition very effectively but right now and tying this back to the original question of why is fifa 19 still a thing they're still very much bogged down in the more traditional way of doing things of releasing sequels but that's not because they are too slow to react but it's just because right now that's what's making them loads of money yeah (laughs) you know and as soon as it becomes more profitable for them to to make all games as games as a service then they will yeah definitely and also it's so much more predictable you know the benefit Mm. of subscription services is that you can make really great predictions You can be like, this is how many subscribers we have. This is our monthly recurring. This is how much people are falling off. Look at the power of data with Netflix. I always Mm. love that story about Netflix and how they have so much data about how people use Netflix that they show different people different posters for TV shows because they Mm. know that it will make them watch a show. Yeah. So when you're looking at your Netflix and you see Travelers, right? It's a sci-fi. And what my poster, my like image for Travelers will be different to your image for Travelers and be different for to Tony's image for Travelers because they will show you an image that based on they, your... They know will grab the, your attention yeah, based more on your more likely habits, to say, right? yes, we'll watch that. And that only works if you have recurring stuff over a long period of time with lots of data and joined up and video games can take it more than capable of taking advantage of that. But right now we're still tied into these hard cutoffs of Mm. different games and isolated silos of this game and this game and, you know, Mm. that kind of thing. And I think that if that goes away, we'll see a more data driven kind of game developments and just look at people like Blizzard who are really good at that, right? Like they've already kind of done that as a thing, but just within their games because their games last a long time. So they can do that with WoW and like WoW is very data driven. And the way that they build WoW is based on how people interact with the game. And we will see that bleed into more games like Mm. Destiny, for example, and Call of Duty and, and just every game essentially. I don't think this is ever going to cause the death of, say, the indie game. Or no, 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 no. The, it's very the, separate. Very the separate. one-off big <laughs> title. But I think this is very much going to have a shift on the AAA industry, mm, the more mm-hmm. mainstream market. You know, things like, you know, we already said in this episode, your Wargrooves and your Stardew Valley, you know, from places like Chucklefish, to, like, your more obscure JRPGs, for example, they're not really going to be affected by this. They might be available no. on those services, but those games will still be those games as you know them, yeah. and you can still, you'd still be able to buy them normally, like, through traditional means of either buying a disc or a download through Steam or whatever, but more and more, the big games that are targeted to the core audience of gamers... And the brands, right? It's the the brands. brands, Yeah, Yeah. they're they're going to be on these services because if you want to play the big name game, then you're going to have to pay for that service, which is exactly what they want. Because, like you say, that's predictable, and they want predictability. It just makes sense, right? When you just look at the way that companies are trying to get money out of us nowadays, like that just makes sense as a transition. Mm. And there are lots of benefits as a as a gamer as well. So it it does work both ways. Just like Netflix is better than traditional buying stuff. I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. Possibly. But I think the signs are there. 
And I think it's a really interesting time. You know, we we are really seeing a big shift over the last yes. couple of years. Like games are shifting really fast. And, you know, we talked about how, like, I always think about that anecdote we've told before about how Call of Duty set the bar with multiplayer, right? And it, like, mm. invented perks and stuff like that. And now Call of Duty has a battle royale because it's playing catch up to yes. Fortnite. And this is kind of, like, part of that, right? Like, this shift is happening really quickly right now. Games are, are really changing in the way, that they, the way that they're delivered, the way that we play them. It's really changing right now, and it's a really exciting time. We are very much on the cusp of a, a shift in the industry as yeah, a whole. I think we you really know? are. We really uh, are. And it won't be long until the idea of buying an individual game or going to the store to buy a copy of a game for a particular console will just be a thing of the past, like yeah. going to a VHS rental shop to borrow a video right. for three days. We you used know? to talk about how sort of like free-to-play was like a, a thing, and this is sort of an extension of that, right? This mm, is like... Yeah. This is following that advent of free to play to a to a further conclusion and sort of that freemium games. You know, now we're talking about, well, how are you going to deliver those long term? This is the sort of shift that we're seeing. And we've really gone on a long journey with this one, too. Like we, we had a lot of other content that we, we sort of skipped over and we've kind of changed the focus of this episode a few times. Mm. So there's a few things we didn't pick up on, unfortunately, but we, we hope you enjoyed sort of our kind of thoughts and opinions on, on that shift. And if you've got any of your own, maybe you, you think that things are going in one way or another, or maybe we've, we've missed a trick, you know, maybe there's something that we've not mentioned, then do let us know, get in contact with us uh, and tell us what you think about sort of where we think things are going. You know, maybe you're looking forward to having to buy the next copy of FIFA again and again <laughs> and again, or maybe you're going to miss that, you know, maybe you're really going to like, you know, you miss the, the specialness of queuing up for, you know, mm. a midnight sort of thing yeah. in your, you know, brick and mortar store to buy that new game and take it home and you know unwrap that plastic sort of thing because that's a big part of the experience to a lot of people Definitely. i mean you know it used to be to me but not so much anymore but you know let us know how you feel about that shift absolutely um you can send us an email show at octal.fm or you can come and find us on twitter we're at octal fm on twitter well, it's a bit more of a serious episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back to uh, our more jovial topics of discussion quite soon. Absolutely. Um, but it's been good. It's been really interesting to sort of like dive into a, a more in-depth discussion on, on mm. and an industry that we are affected by quite strongly and have, you know, mm. a, a close tie to. And I know we've had feedback, you know, that says that these episodes are interesting to sort of hear us talking about stuff and making people think about things that they don't normally think about. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a good chat very enjoyable yeah absolutely and we hope we've enjoyed absolutely and yeah we got lots more uh, interesting octal fm episodes lined up but in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been Sephron. and catch us again for one of those interesting episodes very soon very good nice ending very smooth after not being so smooth Uh, catch us again for another episode of Octal FM. I've been Saffron. I've been Gelada. We need to do that again because that's the soundbite. That's the wrong exit. way around to do it. <laughs> that's that's how we end soundbite. And yeah, in the meantime, I've no wait, not in the meantime. Uh, let me think. <laughs>